You are now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Hey everybody, welcome to Sound of Sanity. It's Nathan, humble, obedient, host. Those are three words that can be used to describe me and often are mostly by myself, but that's okay. I I still think they're accurate. And you know what else is accurate? It's the statement that I'm about to make that comprises the following information. Benjamin Solzer is sitting to my left and he's going to be talking into a microphone for the duration of this program. I am nonstop. 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 Just blah, 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 blah. Yep. How's it going, Ben? It's pretty good, Nathan. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited to talk about episode today. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited to talk about episode today. (laughs) (laughs) Introduce our third person, Ben. This is Pastor Jacob Mensel. He's the pastor who's the master of sanity. That's me. Guys, let's talk about it. The subject of this episode. It's tax season. Wow. Yay. All right. You guys excited? You've been doing your taxes? Yeah. Taxes are done and filed and all that jazz. Your taxes are done and filed? Mine. By the time this episode gets aired, oh. it will be. Okay. There it you go. Be. Ben, how's your taxes going? Um, I've talked about them a little bit with my wife, as far as I've gotten. Hey, me too. Yay. We both are filing as married men for the first time this year. Yeah. That's exciting. It is. Yeah, I haven't done my due diligence to learn what that means yet, so... Yeah, me neither. The more dependence you have, the better, but if Megan is bringing, or Meredith is bringing significant income to bear, then it's going to complicate all the questions. Well, mm. Meredith is not allowed to leave the kitchen, and... Well, neither is Megan. Oh, yeah, well... Obviously. Uh, that goes without saying, I think. <laughs> yeah, but were they before you got married? Oh, no. Oh, man. You got to... <sighs> catch them and keep them that really all of our valentine's advice we have that half a year of non-muffin making to account for at the very least at the very least at the very least wow. that's, a, that's a lot of muffins to miss yeah that is a lot of muffins to miss <laughs> oh man that's like the ending line of my novel i think <laughs> it was a lot of muffins to miss <laughs> What I, what I wanted to do today, because people are in tax mode, they're talking about money, they're fighting with their spouse about money. Yeah. I thought that we would share our very own patented or patented, however you say that word, method of doing finances. And by our very own, I mean the Royal Jake. <laughs> because Jake has this great method. And it's basically like a lot of other methods, I'm sure he'll say. But I'm going to give him a ton of credit and embarrass him. It's Jake's method. And no one else can lay claim to being half as smart about money as Jake. And he constantly tells everyone that that's true. That that's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jake's, Jake has a really cool method and it's helped my marriage quite a bit. And it's basically a way of budgeting and keeping money between you and your spouse. I thought that it would be helpful to share it with our listeners. Normally, when I explain this, uh, I do it in premarital counseling. I've got some pen and paper or my computer or something like that. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit easier to do than on mic. In an, but, audio, an oral medium? Yeah, but I'll, I'll give it a shot here. It's basically my version of the envelope system, but it's a, the envelope system for a digital age. Mm-hmm. So a lot of banks will allow you to create multiple accounts. Actually, while you're doing that, Jake, I realize we, I want to hear more about this, but let's take a break. 
And I think Lance is visiting the bank today. Lance Redford in Sanityville is visiting visiting the bank, and I'm sure it'll be a productive, good trip. So let's let's give a listen to it. All right, just making a simple deposit today. Yes, sir. My day's been great, and this is gonna be great too. So it's a simple, easy trip to the bank. Nothing's gonna go wrong. Just like nothing's gone wrong at all so far today. Whoa, 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 Gary. Look what the cat dragged in. I doubt cats lure themselves to mix with Lance Redford, Walter. One's a flea-bitten alley rover, and one's a cat, Gary? Oh, for peace sake, don't tell me y'all work at the bank too now. Negatory, Lance? He said sarcastically. We're just wearing these visors because we think they're awesome, Lance. He said sarcastically. Our wives make us put these on before we leave home, Lance? He said sarcastically. Let me just make a dang deposit, uh, he said sincerely. Well, 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 look at Mr. Moneybags, Gary. Raided your kid's piggy bank again, Lance. Strip club's not open this week again, Lance. Coke dealer out of town, Lance. Steal the money from an orphanage, Lance. Yeah, I stole it from an orphanage, he said sarcastically. Stealing from orphans, are we, Lance? You know, I really kind of hate you guys. A little like you hate democracy, Lance? A little like you hate taking showers, Lance? A little like you hate Mexicans, Lance? Dang it all, I like Mexicans. Oh, like Mexicans, do we, Lance? Someone has to clean hotel bathrooms, eh, Lance? Someone has to make tacos, eh, Lance? Will you guys just deposit my check or what? Negatory, Lance. It's not properly signed and dated, Lance. You want a centimeter over the line, Lance. The line it says not to write below, Lance. Hand shaky because you didn't have your morning vodka, Lance. Forgot how to write after they kicked you out of kindergarten, Lance? Going blind from huffing paint fumes, Lance? Ah, uh, you guys! You guys are like... Uh... Hi, fellas! Hi, Lance! Hi, Hi Chip. Chip! I accidentally burned 97% of this here check with a cigarette! Can you cash these smoldering embers? Before <laughs> the rest of my hand catches fire? Of course, Chip. You're our hero, Chip. Care for a sucker, Chip? Sure! Oh, Tootsie Pop! Pinnacle inflammation of all hard candies mounted upon a stick. How about me? You want to give me a sucker? Your wife was a sucker when she married you, Lance. Fart, 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 Lance. Oh, for Pete's sake. Uh-uh. I said fart, 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 Lance. Can you just give me... He said fart, 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 Lance. You know, who? who's your boss? Can fart, I talk... fart, fart, Lance? I just want to get... Fart, fart, fart. Fart, 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 fart. Say, this is fun. Fart, fart, fart. Oh, I give up. Welcome, everybody, to Jake's Billing System. If you're familiar with the envelope system, Dave Ramsey or whoever promotes the envelope system, it's basically you get your check, you cash it out. And you divide everything up into envelopes. This is my envelope for groceries. This is my envelope for utilities. This is my envelope for whatever. And when the cash is out of the envelope, I can't spend any more on groceries because there's no more cash in my grocery envelope. This is basically like that, but it's a little bit simpler and it's all online. So you get direct deposit like a lot of people do or deposit your check in the bank. And it could go into your main checking account. Then you have any number of other sub accounts that are savings accounts or whatever, things that you want to save for. So if you want to put aside a hundred bucks a month for a car or into a car fund so that you can replace your car or whatever, you just have a, an account for the car and you have it set up so that 
say your checks are deposited on the first. So on the, maybe give it some time, you know, if there's a weekend issue on the fifth, you have automatic withdrawals to all of these other accounts. Are you saving up for vacation? Are you saving up for a car? Are you, what, what do you need money for? So then it goes automatically to those accounts. Okay. A couple other things about this. There are, there are annual expenses, things that hit once a year for each of us. Tuition for your kids if you've got them in private school, sports fees that are seasonal, license and registration fees. Those are things that you need to have money dedicated and set aside for. Christmas. Christmas gifts, things like that. Birthday gifts, whatever. Now, each one of those things you can set up a separate sub account for, or you can group them together into one account called annual expenses. Those are these one-time things. Either way, when you lay them all out on paper, you'll have a total number. You can divide that number by 12, and then you contribute to that annual expenses account so that every time one of those expenses hits, you can draw from your annual expense account. And now you're not touching your car fund, you're not touching your emergency fund, you're not touching anything else, but you know you have those things accounted for. You never have to worry, do I have enough money to pay for Christmas presents this year? You've decided, you've sat down with your wife or with your husband, you've made decisions. This year we've got 500 bucks for Christmas presents. And so every month from now to Christmas, we're setting aside X number of dollars. It automatically gets rolled in and then it's there. It's already decided and it's saved and it's separate. So that's how you manage those things. Then it comes down to a question of, okay, what are my fixed expenses each month and what are my variable expenses? Your fixed expenses are going to be things like your mortgage payment, insurance payments, things like that. What we do is we have automatic bill pay. Those amounts get left in our checking, the internet, whatever. It all gets left in our checking account. The variable expenses are the things that you have to deal with. And this is the real trick and what I think is the smartest part of our system. Our our utilities we leave in that checking account, um, we just have round numbers. So if on average our water bill is 50 bucks a month. We'll have, you know, 60 bucks a month in there. And, you know, we'll have a little bit of cash accumulate, but that's good because if, you know, you're always going to have a little bit there and you can clean that out and put it into a fun jar if you, if you want to every so often. But the rest of it basically then comes down to, okay, gas, groceries, clothes, fun, those types of things. How do you divide that up? And that's, those are the things that couples tend to fight about. And so what I recommend doing, what I encourage doing, and what we do is we basically have two other accounts set up that are personal expense accounts for me and for my wife. Mine is smaller than hers because hers includes groceries. So let's pick some round numbers here. Say my wife gets $1,000 a month deposited into her expense account with with a debit card or a check card. Separate account, 1,000 bucks a month, Her job is to be sure that she's got gas in the van, able to get groceries, and I don't care what she does with the rest of it. She can buy clothes, she can go to Starbucks, she can hang out with friends, she can do whatever she wants to do with that money. We've already made a decision about it. We've prioritized. She can save some of it and set some of it aside for something that she'd really like. I have a small, let's say I have a smaller expense account. Let's say it's $250 a month because I'm not dealing with groceries. It's the same story for me. I got to keep gas in my car. You know, I've got to be able to take care of myself, get myself to and from places. And if I want to, you know, take a minute out to dinner, I need to be careful about how I spend my money, how, how much I drive. Am I going to take leftovers 
for lunch or am I going to eat fast food? And that's a way to discipline ourselves and motivate ourselves to be frugal within very limited constraints and to also be very free with one another. I never have to worry about, so long as Amanda's van isn't dying on the side of the road because she's not putting gas in it. And so long as she is, you know, our dinners are nice and everybody's fed and well taken care of, it doesn't matter to me. I don't have to get uptight about how much money did she spend on the new glasses that she bought. You see a Starbucks cup in the trash and your stomach kind of churns. Yeah. Oh, no, you're going to break our budget, you know, for dining out. None of that has to be something that we're concerned about. We've decided on a reasonable number for her and she's found a way to make it work so she can have Starbucks. Great. Awesome. Good for her. But because you do it this way, you're able to set your priorities up top. Your vacation money goes off the top. Your car money goes off the top. Your emergency fund money, whatever goes off the top. You're paying off debt off the top. You know, then you have basically what's left after all of those expenses and after all those priorities, those savings priorities. You're paying yourself, you're saving, you're paying your debts off, and then you've got what's left. And then you decide how to divide up what's left in a way that works. So that's the system. And I don't know, I hope people are able to follow it as I talk it through, but Basically, to sum it up, there you have 5,000 different accounts for <laughs> everything. Yeah. And it automatically divides out at the beginning of the month or whenever you get your paycheck. Yep. And both spouses are on an allowance. That's right. We have an allowance. I have to worry about my 100 bucks or 250 or 500 a month, whatever my allowance is. The only thing I have to worry about in terms of budgeting and staying on budget are my very limited responsibilities and my very small allowance. Mm-hmm. And the same for her, except she handles groceries, so she, hers is bigger, and so she's got to manage groceries. It puts walls up such that you feel safe. It's like, okay, well, I may go to McDonald's, and it may be a stupid decision that doesn't let me go to Starbucks later, but it's not going to be a stupid decision that denies me a saving for my down payment because it's all already taken care of and off limits. Yeah. And and it's not going to keep my wife from going to Starbucks. Right. So I've it's had, only punishing me. Right. And the consequences cool. are limited to me personally. I have to deal with the consequences mm-hmm. of my own decisions. That's it. I've had exactly one fight about money in my short marriage with the incandescent Meredith. We're not divorced, folks. I mean, it just started and will go on for many years to come. But that fight was about the system, actually, and implementing it. And true story, I don't think she'd mind me telling this because she's since repented. She did not want to do this system at all. I I said, hey, guess what? Jake's got this great system. And Jake is nothing if not an evangelist for this uh, system, especially with newly married couples. And I explained it to her and she just said, no, like you don't trust me. You don't think that we can work it out. You don't think that we can. This sounds really complicated and cumbersome and you're going to open 9,000 savings accounts. And I said, no, it's going to be cumbersome to set up. You know, and it did take us a couple of days to figure it out, get it all down on paper, f- set it up. Mm-hmm. But once it's set up, it's going to all happen automatically. And all you and I are going to have to worry about is our allowance. That's it. And she still didn't really see it. And it wouldn't be telling tales out of school, I guess, to say that that was one of the things that I just put my foot down. I just got my way. Probably one of the early. This is just how it's going to be. This is just how it's going to be, baby. Things in our marriage. And she has since 
thanked me a million times for it. She just says like, wow, this is great. Like we've avoided, we had that one fight and- And you've avoided 5,000 little fights right. over so many little things. It's, there's or never- Or even big things like Christmas presents. Right. It's There never had to be, yeah, any of those little fights or microaggressions as people like to call them about. It's just like, she can come home with a new scarf and- I'm Big like, deal. Big deal. I don't cool. care. Cool. Pretty scarf. Yeah. I don't have to stress about, oh no, is she- keeping us from getting that down payment together. Right. And I'm not going, and I don't have to calculate in my mind before not stressing. You know, right. maybe that there's no reason to stress, but I don't even have to take a second and be like, well, could you get a scarf? Yeah, I guess you could get a scarf. Hey, nice scarf. Instead, I could just be like, nice scarf, which is really nice. So you don't have to do it exactly Jake's way. But- no, no. I I mean, I guess the the what you really want to do is you want to sit down and make these kinds of decisions together and and make as many decisions about your big priorities up front as you can. Mm-hmm. This is one way to do it that is really, I think, convenient and helpful. And I've taught this system to a lot of different people, and they've come up with their own creative variations of it. I know some people that like they have an account for absolutely every single thing. Like it's just the Christmas fund, and then it's the birthday fund. They did, and then yeah, yeah, they don't do the annual expense account mm-hmm. where they throw it all in. To there and then when they have one of those expenses hit they pull from it no they have the christmas fund they have the tuition fund they have the books fund they have the baseball fund they have the soccer fund they have the we're not that hyper detailed but we're detailed we're detailed yeah, yeah. they use the you need a budget app which is not about creating accounts i mean you could actually use jake's method with the app but it's about like making virtual Kind of like yeah. having virtual envelopes. Yeah, basically. there 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 are a lot of so this is mint. I, this is yeah, mint mm-hmm. does this. There are a lot of yeah. options out there that do this sort of thing. What you do is you give this app access to your bank accounts and credit mm-hmm. cards, and then it does all of the tracking for you, and it lets you know, you know, how much you've spent. But it doesn't keep those things separate, so it just tells you, you know, when you busted this budget, when you busted that budget, when you busted this budget or that budget. That's right. The virtue of that system is you don't have to manage 5,000 accounts. One of the drawbacks is because there are no hard lines, you can still mm-hmm. break your envelopes by busting into other envelopes without, without, with impunity. That's true. Whereas in the system that we do, when I run out, I run out. So I know a lot of people that use apps like that and, mm-hmm. and it works very well for them. I think that you have to be a certain kind of disciplined person for that to really work in a long-term way for you. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, especially starting out, could really benefit from something more like what we do, where it's just mm-hmm. hard lines, hard lines, hard lines. Put as per you can't in break staging. that account. Yeah. You yeah, just can't nice. do it because there, then nice. there's no money in it. There's no money to draw from. Your card's going to get declined and you have to be conscious about the decisions you make to go. Hmm. Yeah. I think that we have probably like 25 different digital envelopes so we really did break it down mm-hmm. a lot yeah. i think that what we did when we got started at least for me is like learned how to make and stick to a budget is actually i use the app as kind of a springboard into a crash course of like because i had never even i'd i had made a vague budget before but never tried to stick to it never learned how it all all the ins and outs worked never learned how to think about it so it actually took a ton of work on the front end and Maybe someday we can scale back to a simpler thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever works. I have a lot of respect for people that can do. Like, for me, all my virtue is a function of pragmatism. 
Like I'm slothful, I'm lazy, I'm incapable of doing the right thing. <laughs> so I put myself in a bind where I sort of have to do the right thing. Like give me an account that I can't break. You know, it's like, well, if I have uh, nacho cheese sauce at home, I'm gonna be a glutton. Let's so, not have nacho cheese yeah, sauce. Yeah, I mean, home. I can try and become a better person who can have nacho cheese. And of course, folks, I'm exaggerating. I do. Have, I've seen a lot. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've got a fridge full of nacho cheese. So, no, I mean, of course, I do bring these things to the Lord. And, you know, by God's grace, he does sanctify me. But a lot of my virtue is, of, you know, insofar as it A exists. lot of godly wisdom mm. is involved in making those kinds of decisions, right. though, up front. Or, I'm not the kind of person that can have nacho cheese sauce in my house and not w- eat way too much of it. So I'm just not going to have it. Yeah. And part of my godliness is saying no to myself at the store so that that is how I say no to myself at the fridge is by saying no to myself at the store. And you do this kind of thing with people all the time when you're telling, helping them deal with their sin. Oh, your smartphone is a problem for you for your purity. Well, maybe you should get a flip phone or your smartphone is especially a problem for you with your purity. First thing in the morning when you wake up, you're not keeping your phone in your room. All the things that we can do to discipline ourselves There was a period of my life as a young man where I felt guilty about every one of those decisions. Like, I guess I'm not really sanctified Mm -hmm. because I just can't have the internet right now. I guess I'm not really sanctified because if I take that path past all the hot college girls, then I will have been pure thoughts. I guess I'm not really sanctified because I can't just have food in the house. I have to have good food in the house. But a large part of sanctification is just having the maturity to make those decisions up front. The Bible mm -hmm. says flee. Yeah. Impurity. It doesn't say stand strong against it. The fleeing involves a whole lot of pragmatic, practical wisdom. For lack of a better word. Yeah. And, and that same kind of pragmatic, practical wisdom can be applied to things like budget. I am the kind of guy who can't sit down and come up with a detailed system, but I am not the kind of guy who's going to follow it. Mm. And so I needed a, a way to hack it. And that's how I came up with the system. I, it was, we had ING Direct and I, at the time, and ING Direct just to let you create accounts. It's now Capital One. So we still have that and we still use it. I mean, that's it. This is just like, I needed a hack. As much as I was loose with myself, I was uptight with her. And it was just, it was, that's what I was it just was thinking sinful is, and ugly. If we were sharing from the same fun account, that would just simply mean that Nathan had all the fun because Nathan is selfish and he's <laughs> capable of getting his own way. He is not the kind of person that is going to think not to go to McDonald's so that his wife can have Starbucks with her friends. Huh. It's just like, well, I, I would. And then I would resent her. But I think right. it's better than you. Right. <laughs> I remember, and this is almost like notorious, like pretty early mm. in our marriage. And I mean early, early, like first month of marriage early. Maybe it was the first couple of months. You know, we were living on this shoestring budget, maybe 12000 a year. 15 tops trying to get through the pastor's college. So I'm pouring tons of time into building this college ministry while also doing pastor's college. I'm probably putting 50, 60 hours into the college ministry itself, the pastor's college on top of it, and then working when I can. And so I came home one day and I used glasses earlier for a reason. She bought this set of four cute little Mickey and Minnie juice glasses. And I was just like, what are you doing? We got glasses. We registered for glasses. We got glasses. We have glasses to drink from. We didn't need cute little Mickey and Minnie glasses. They were a dollar a piece in the clearance aisle at Target. She spent $4 on these glasses and I like was ready to lose my mind over it because things were so tight. I felt so much pressure about it. I was just like, what in the world? 
I'm still embarrassed over it. That's the crucible that this system of was forged in. Was forged in, that's right. But it's really just about hacking ourselves so that we could be able to afford a house and not always be biting each other's heads off in the process. Hmm. And it worked. Yep. Hmm. By God's grace. Hmm. Okay, let's go to a break. You know, Jake, you're a minister, and I know you have lots of thoughts about how uh, pastors and ministers use their finances, and there's some interesting rules along those lines. And actually, though I'm not going to have you speak to that, I think we should hear from our good friends at the Popcorn Coalition. Why have one minister speak to it when you can have three or two and a half or two and a quarter or whatever it is these days? however you do the math. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, let's let's hear from them. They seem like great guys. All right, we'll be right back. Hello, and welcome to the Popcorn Coalition. I'm Pastor Kevin. And I'm Pastor Evan. And I'm here to tell you about my latest book. Thank you for your contributions, as always, Evan Quentin. But today we want to talk about a stressful time of life that we all experience. African big game hunting. No, no, Evan. Remember, we don't talk about those things on this podcast. Right. Don't mention Kevin's addictions, Evan. Tax season. Today we're talking about tax season. Hey, baby, tax season is only stressful if you don't have the funds to hire professional tax consultants and wealth management services (laughs) and a large savings account in Switzerland. Am I right? Quentin, you work part-time at Taco John's. (laughs) First of all, I work at rallies. I mean, I rally my money. (laughs) I sit back and watch it be tallied. You know, tally my money. I watch it all be uh, funneled through stuff, you know? Am I right? It certainly doesn't sound like it, Quentin. But of course, we're not talking about anything illegal here. Yeah, because that would be against the law. You know, fellas, I'm a little like a tightrope walker who fell but managed to wrap his legs around the rope. Uh, what? I straddled the line. Oh, brother. Speaking of which, you want to know one of the best things about being a staff member at FCS? I don't know, Quentin. Maybe we should ask one. (laughs) It's being able to take the ministerial exception on Social Security. Let's face it, Social Security is a little like my Super Nintendo after I stepped on it. (laughs) And I stepped on it a few more times. I was pretty angry at Donkey Kong. It's a broken system! I had to step on it a lot of times. Oh, for Pete's sake. But uh, pastors, you know ministers, they just get to say no. It's pretty great. They can take an exception to Social Security whenever they want. My favorite thing about tax is that you can use them to hang pictures. Uh, No, Evan, we're talking about tax as in the compulsory contribution that we all make to government income. In that case, the tax code specifies that in order for a minister to take the social security exception, he must have a legitimate conscientious objection related specifically to his calling as a minister. Well, Evan, actually, there are two schools of thought on that one. Right. The legal ethical one and also the other one. Well, now, Ev, actually, there are lots of reasons to object to Social Security. I myself may have one. Wow, Kevin, I had no idea you'd taken a vow of poverty. I guess I'm a little like a devout Hindu person naming their favorite animal because I'm about to say, holy cow. At two, Ev. Evan, baby, you know, relax. I mean, a vow of poverty isn't the only reason to take an exception. Sometimes you just want to. True, Quentin. One could also have a principled opposition to insurance or savings investments. Sure. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's Kevin. Guys, I, uh... That must be why instead of saving money, he spends it on his house in Maui. Guys. And his Olympic-sized swimming pool, and his estate, and the, the rental property in Florida. Guys, and... people don't actually want to hear about that. 
Today's episode is about what to do with your tax return. Now, first, let's talk about giving a tithe. <laughs> tithe? It's like how a person with a lisp would say ties. And I want to talk about saving, because I do, in fact, believe in saving. In that case, Kevin, I do apologize, but you have absolutely zero ground to object to Social Security. In fact, you've perjured yourself and you should have been paying double this entire time like other ministers of good conscience who are further penalized by our tax codes for being considered self-employed. Whoa! Hey, Evan! 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 Hey, look, how do I say this, bro? I mean, one, you're an idiot. <laughs> I am pretty dumb. <laughs> you know, Evan, you're a little bit like a saw blade that doesn't even fit the saw that someone's trying to use to cut something. And it's all rusty and stuff, too. I mean, you're not the sharpest tool in the shed. Once I had a cat named Rusty. Oh, second, I think contributing to a broken governmental system is terrible stewardship. It's not the kind of stewardship God requires of us. That's worth objecting to. Why invest your money in Social Security when you could be investing in some Maui property? Well, I'm probably not qualified to answer that question, Quentin, on account of my dumbness. However, if I was to posit an answer to your quandary, it would perhaps lie in the fact that we're speaking about the law, and ministers don't get special exemptions to the law except on grounds of actual religious principles, seeing as flaunting the tax codes at this exact point demonstrates a kind of callous contempt for the freedom of religion on our own part that will in fact contribute to the erosion of those very freedoms in the future, not to mention the fact that it's perjury, and you've given the government carte blanche to take away everything you have should they choose to place you in their considerably sized crosshairs. But what do I know? I'm kind of like the bookending podcast talking about C.S. Lewis. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah, what are those guys thinking? And also, how do you know so much about tax code, Ev? I watched a YouTube video once, Kevin. Also, there was another one about kittens. Oh, and also, um, before that and before I got my MDiv, I received a PhD in accounting from the New York University Stern School of Business. The kittens were very scared of pickles. Uh, you know, Evan, <laughs> I'm afraid you're a little like a psychotic schoolchild. Restrained by your principles. Quentin, do another one of those, and I'll kick you. I swear. <laughs> Besides, who ever heard of the government using red tape to target religious minorities for persecution? Hang on, guys. I'm getting a call. Yes? Okay. Thank you. Well, all my assets have been seized. Bummer. Luckily, my assets are a little like the letters E, V, A, and N. They're all in Evan's name. Oh, tough break, Ev. In those videos, one of the kittens tried to eat a pickle. And we're back. By the way, one Jake Menzel may or may not have some feelings about <laughs> no the ministerial exception. All right, let's keep talking about this. Oh my goodness. Oh my stars. Oh my stripes and bars. The devil's advocacy alarm. We were doing so well, Ben. Huh, I guess so. But now, I think that you and I need to attack Jake's Whoa. fraudulent, <laughs> Whoa. stupid system. All right, do it. Sure. Bring it on. My system's going to hold up to your shots here. Of course uh, it would. Mm -hmm. Cold and human things can often take a beating. <laughs> That's kind of the problem, though, right? Mm, this is going to be like Kasparov playing Deep Blue, assuming Deep Blue lost. <laughs> uh, little little gem for you chess nerds wow. there. That was a gem. All right. Ben, you want first crack at this? Sure. I mean, what about the relationship between you and your wife? What about the actual, like, hands-on, we have to work together to make important decisions? What about, what about a hack that doesn't just 
help you? What about a hack that protects you from actually taking risks in relationship? And uh, you Wait, know, you want a hack that protects you from? No, no, I'm saying my hack protects hack. me your from taking risks you. in relationships. Yeah, it's it's like a hack too far. Is what I'm saying. What it sounds like to me, Jake, is you actually just one one might accuse you of not wanting to have any conflict with your life your, with your wife, mm. not wanting to discipline yourself, certainly not wanting to discipline her, and so you come up with a way to mechanize the process and avoid all the good work that God has for you. Okay. How to address that kind of criticism. One, I don't think that there is any virtue in fighting about every tiny financial decision that needs to be made, every single purchase. I think that there is virtue in working together to come up with a budget and what your priorities are and how those things work out, which is what my system is built on. So the first thing I want to say is, no, you're still having to work these things out, but you're working out the things that matter instead of fighting over the little things that don't matter all the time, like Mickey Mouse glasses. $1 Mickey Mouse glasses from Target aren't the issue when you have those kinds of fights. Let me give you another way not to fight about Mickey Mouse glasses. Don't be selfish. Yeah, but who's being selfish? And how do you make that determination? It's how you build a good marriage. By fighting these things out, by figuring them out. Well, yeah, I mean, when, 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 when do you have that fight with your own selfishness? And when does your wife get to help you confront it? Sounds like what you actually want to do is not live by faith. Well, sure. There's a degree of truth to that. But it's sort of like Jesus tells people to live by faith. He also tells them to count the cost of what it means to be a disciple. Living by faith doesn't preclude being wise and discerning about what it means to live by faith practically. But you're supposed to count the cost and then do it. Like, the idea isn't count the cost and then decide not to come after me. Yeah, but that's, I mean, what does that have to do with anything? Does my system allow you to avoid a lot of conflict? Yeah, it does. Have couples benefited from having these kinds of conflicts the kinds of conflicts that I'm suggesting you avoid. Yeah, they have. They've worked through a lot of things because they got in a fight about picking up Taco Bell. But that's not the point. Do you want to be avoiding all conflict in your marriage? No, you don't. You have to learn how to work through conflict together and you have to learn how to work through it in a healthy way. Part of learning how to work through conflict in a healthy way, though, is setting up boundaries in in places that are smart and practical. Sure, wouldn't it be great if you and your wife could do the dishes together as a team. Yeah, why shouldn't you be able to do the dishes together as a team? No reason that you shouldn't. Any number of people should be able to put their hands together, their heads together, and get some work done together, and it should be sweet and fun. And yet, some couples have wildly different standards and ideas for how the dishes should be done. I just think that sounds like a good place for you to, uh, let's say, love your wife, love her sacrificially, and maybe your wife could learn to submit to you in everything, like it says in the Bible. You could tell her how, maybe Jake, (laughs) maybe you're just not man enough to make your wife do the dishes your way. Or maybe there is wisdom in letting your wife have her own dominion over 
how the household is run since that's her job and the job that has been delegated to her by you. That's why it says let the wife, the wife should submit in some things, but other things the husband should just let her do what she wants. You, you know, part of being a good authority is knowing, yes, a wife, someone under authority should submit to their authority in all things. But part of being a good authority is knowing when to call your authority to bear on a situation and when to give people space, when and how to cultivate trust in those who are under your authority. If you want to have a healthy marriage and a healthy relationship, the last thing that you should do is be like, the Bible says, submit to me in all things. Therefore, that's a mandate for me to dictate all things. Garbage. You don't go around dictating all things. Think of every other sphere of authority in your life. Think of your boss at work. Think of your pastors and elders at church. They don't go around dictating absolutely everything about your life because that's a foolish way to wield authority. The Bible doesn't dictate every single detail of how you should make every decision in your life. The Bible does is it gives you principles. It gives you rules. You're to follow the rules and to live by biblical principles. There's a whole lot of leeway in the application of those principles in any number of circumstances and situations. Good authorities understand that. Good authorities build trust. Good authorities know when to exercise the submission muscles of those under their care, and they know when to give space when to be open-handed and to to delegate some of their authority, to give their wife the authority to make this decision and then to live with it even if they don't like it. And I, yeah, somebody could try to carve out enough space where they just are two roommates who they have separate bank accounts, they have an equal division of labor among the chores and an equal division of across the middle. And then they, you know, they live their own separate lives, but they share a bed and sleep together. And that's not a biblical or healthy marriage. And yeah, you can use a a financial system like that to maybe make that kind of arrangement. And you're right, that would be wicked. That would be unhealthy. That would be a setup for disaster. But what is also a disaster and a setup for disaster is a couple that never puts any forethought into avoiding dumb conflicts. They never do any of the work up front of anticipating where are we going to fight? Let's work together to figure this out beforehand. Let's work together to make these decisions now when we're level-headed so that we can avoid a blow-up so that when we do have conflict, it's over things that matter. It's not over Mickey Mouse glasses. And we don't have to trace Mickey Mouse glasses to something that matters. We've got something that we actually need to work through. And yeah, every couple is going to have, especially early in their marriage, all kinds of little dumb fights about all kinds of dumb little things that they're going to have to work through and learn how to engage in conflict in a way that is biblical, godly, and helpful. They have to learn to trust each other, to trust that you're for each other and not against each other, to not get caught in the feedback loop of, oh, I don't feel respected, so I will not show her love. Oh, I don't feel loved, so I don't feel like respecting him. And now we're driving each other apart. Uh, Good marriages involve a lot of willingness to face down the right kinds of conflicts and deal with them well, and also a willingness to be very practical and pragmatic about all kinds of places where there might be unnecessary conflict well, to deal with those kinds of things up front. I can step out of my devil role now. I always appreciated the teachers in high school who established their authority up front. You would often observe teachers actually be very intentional about being mean the first day so that everybody knew they couldn't talk, they couldn't pass notes, they couldn't throw airplanes, whatever it was. And this teacher demanded their respect. And then those teachers, inevitably, their classrooms felt safe. You could be pretty chillaxed, mm-hmm. and they weren't tyrants. They just basically 
exercised their authority up front such that there was no mistaking it. And the worst kind of teacher was the teacher. I'm chill, whatever. And then the class has no discipline. And then eventually the teacher gets fed up and loses their mind on everyone. Right. And they end up giving the most unjust discipline of any teacher. Yep. And the example from of my marriage, I'm, I'm sorry to have to use myself as a good example, folks, but it's just a handy one right now. I did actually exercise my disciplinary authority up front at the very beginning. And it's saved me a lot of hassle after that. Like, so it wasn't like, I'm going to set up this spineless system. So I never have to fight you. It's in my particular case, it was, we are going to have a fight. Fight's going to be, this is the system. Right. We had the the whole point of this is I know that if I have this fight and we have this fight, we're going to have a whole lot of peace down the road because of it. We're going to reap the fruit of this for a long time. That's just called good strategy, I think. Mm-hmm. That, that's all we're, That's all that is. It's not yep. abdicating authority. It's not being a wimp. It's just... Wisdom. Wisdom. It's wisdom. That's all I wanted to say. I mean, could we give the devil that... There's a danger on that side? There's a danger on that Absolutely. side. Absolutely. That... Absolutely. I, I give the devil that. I've definitely... Listen, I'm the kind of person that came up with that kind of solution. That's because I am the kind of person that is really good at coming up with solutions to problems in such a way as to avoid the maximum amount of conflict. Mm -hmm. Is there a drawback to that? Yeah. If all my life is setting things up and arranging and controlling things in such a way as to avoid conflict, then I'm going to escape a lot of unnecessary conflict, but I'm also going to avoid some necessary healthy conflict. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's, that's a danger for anybody. And yeah, I've fallen into that trap. Lots of people have and do, but... There's nothing wrong with being smart about it. There's nothing wrong with mm-hmm. being smart about it. There's nothing wrong uh, with being wise up front. You just have to be aware of yourself and of your tendencies, and then you've got to not be... Guess what? No conflict can be avoided indefinitely. It will come. Mm-hmm. You're going to deal with it up front, or you're going to deal with it in the end. You know, it's a matter of choosing your battles, choosing your battles wisely, and and then not running, not being afraid when they come. Well, and the other thing you m- I might add is, just as kind of a side note, there may well be the battle of the four Mickey Mouse glasses because the four Mickey Mouse glasses actually represent something bigger and you have to be Mm -hmm. wise. You know, it may be like you've never submitted to me about anything and that is symbolized by the way we do the dishes or something. Like there may be a place to put your foot down about something seemingly Seemingly small, Mm -hmm. but yeah, but you've got to do the work of tracing it back to the big deal. Right. Right. Even in the system that I've laid out, you know, at a certain point, Meredith's been like, I need so much money for groceries and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then every day she's coming home with a new scarf. Uh, Actually. uh, Your money was for, and we're eating beans. You're eating ramen. Ramen, yeah. Right, like. That's not how the system works, honey. That's not, that's not how, what we agree, you know. Right. Every system's going to be subject to abuse is the point. Right. Right, like you've got to be on the same page. You actually have to work through these things together in order for it to work. Amen. Yep. Happy tax season, everybody. (laughs) Well, okay. I'll take it. (laughs) Sound of Sanity today. Produced by me. Executive produced by me and Jake. Associate produced by Ben. Go to patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. We've got this cool new thing there called Sanity Bites. There's delicious three or four episodes already up. They're like 20, 15 to 20 minute chunks of sanity where it's just us talking about 
things. Uh, there's one about creativity. There was one about an episode called Don't Be Gerald, where Ben talks about a guy named Gerald. How Not it- his real name. A very poor pursuer of women. A very poor pursuer of women. And if you want to learn how not to be like Gerald, you listen to that episode. There's also one about... What do you say to a perfect woman who doesn't have a husband yet? Yes, yes, yes. Right. For all you perfect women who don't have husbands, you'll want to be behind the paywall. <laughs> <laughs> hey, until next time, folks. Stay sane.